Welcome to the Target Oxbridge podcast, the podcast where we demystify the universities of Oxford and Cambridge and share tips on how to get your young people into Oxbridge. My name is Naomi Kelman and I am the founder of Target Oxbridge. Target Oxbridge is a programme that has been running since 2012 to help black African and Caribbean students to gain places at Oxford and Cambridge. We've helped over 200 students to gain offers so far and so we've gathered quite a bit of experience over the years. The aim of this podcast is to share the information and top tips we've gathered with parents and teachers. We're a small team and we can't be everywhere, so this is our chance to share what we know with all of you. We work primarily with Black African and Caribbean students, but the tips will be applicable to families from all backgrounds, so please feel free to share with your friends and family. In the first part of this episode, I will talk through demystifying Oxbridge and why that's important and then we will be speaking to Mary about her experiences of demystifying the university. I'm going to use the term young people throughout this podcast because it can relate to your own children, it can relate to your students, your siblings or your mentees. We know that it takes a village to raise a child and so we're aware that lots of people will be listening to this and so that's what we're focusing on when we say young people. Now why do we need to demystify Oxbridge? It's because really it is thought of as a mystery to a lot of people. Um, I think it's considered as a bit of a magical realm, a bit like Harry Potter, Often people say, you know, it's a place that people like us don't go to. And people like us keeps coming up in conversations I have with teachers, with students. And I think it means different things to different people. I think for the students I work with, who are predominantly black students, um, students whose parents haven't been to university or did go to university, but went as mature students or went abroad, they do not feel as black students, you know, maybe from lower socioeconomic backgrounds, that they're the type of people that go off to Oxbridge. Um, For teachers, I think if they're working in state schools with lots of students on free school meals, regardless of ethnicity, they often think that, you know, Oxbridge isn't a place for them. And again, this just isn't true. It's it's not true. Um, Things are changing. I think both universities would accept that there's work to be done here to continue diversifying the intake and to continue broadening. But this notion that it's not for people like us is slipping away and hopefully with with the work of all the different programmes will continue to to change. When I ask students what they think about Oxbridge, they often say that it's a place for posh students, privately educated students. And for the students I work with, they assume it's for white students. And that's really not true. But for as long as people believe that, people won't be wanting to apply. And really, there are just a lot of misconceptions and a lot of unknown unknowns about the university. And that's why we have to demystify them. As parents and teachers, we also need to think carefully about our own preconceptions and prejudices about Oxford and Cambridge before trying to encourage young people to go there. This is because young people are very perceptive. They pick up on how you feel, even if you don't say explicitly. And we've seen it happen on a day to day basis. So, for example, um, we were once on a trip, my colleague and I, and we saw a teacher taking a group of students around one of the Oxbridge colleges, which is a great thing to do. But she was really uncomfortable. As she walked around, she was saying things like, oh, it's very posh here. Oh, it's not not what we're used to. And that's fine. That's her experience. But if the person that your students are looking up to or your children are looking up to are also scared or uncomfortable, 
then they will feel that way as well. And so it's really important to make sure that we're not projecting any misconceptions that we have about the universities when trying to encourage students to go along. And according to research from the Sutton Trust, 43% of state secondary school teachers say they would rarely advise their bright young pupils to apply to Oxford and Cambridge. And so this demonstrates that these preconceptions are really very real. And this is why we don't have as many people submitting the applications when they're really able to. And again, I've seen this happen. So I once had a teacher at a conference. He was from Leeds. After my talk about Target Oxbridge, he came up to me and said, oh, thanks for that. Usually I've always told my students not to bother applying, but now I will. And I asked him why, because he's been teaching for a long time and that's quite concerning. And he repeated this line. He said, I just always thought it wasn't really for people like that, like us. So I told him not to bother. Thankfully, he's changed his mind. But I think it shows how important it is that we need to demystify the sense of who gets to go to Oxford and Cambridge so that we're not making these students think it's not for them. Now, things are changing. Um, the Sutton Trust research shows that a lot of people underestimate the proportion of state school students who are actually going to Oxford and Cambridge. Representation is not perfect, but it's really been improving. And now over 60% of students at both Oxford and Cambridge are from state schools. And when you survey people, they often think it's much lower than that. And this trend is increasing. And both universities are doing a lot in terms of access work, thinking about foundation years, different programs to change it. And so it's really something that's moving. And this conception that we have that only one type of person goes really needs to fall away. The other misconception is that you have to be a genius to go to Oxford and Cambridge. I think there's this idea that you need, you know, 12 eights and nines, which makes me feel really old because um, it's completely changed now. But there's an idea that you need 12 of these top grades to go off. And that's not true. You do need to be bright. You do need to be intellectual. You do need to, you know, be a student who's performing well, but you don't have to have a perfect set of A stars to go along. And I've seen teachers and parents sort of discount students from the process because they don't have this perfect set of grades. Now I've seen students, hundreds of students, secure offers and I've seen students with a mixture of you know three or four A stars and a number of A grades or that would be eights, nines and sevens in the new language make successful applications particularly to subjects in the humanities where I've seen a lot of variation and so it's not that a student who doesn't have 12 A stars can't go off. If you've got a student who's performed well, they've got a number of A stars or eights and nines and a good set of grades otherwise, then they should definitely be considering applying, particularly if they're on track for the top A-level grades that are required for the course. The other thing that students and teachers and parents aren't often aware of is that Oxbridge actually looks at the context of your education before looking at your application. It's called contextual admissions and they've been doing it for a really long time, but people don't know about this. And what this means is they consider things like how likely are people in your area to go to university? How deprived is the location that you live in? How does your school perform on average at GCSE level? And have they sent lots of people in the past? They are not using this to rule people out. They're not using it to discount people, but they are using it to give people a chance who might not have 12 stars across the board. But actually, they've got four A stars. And that's, you know, maybe the most grades at that level that anyone's ever had at the school that needs to be put into context, that needs to be considered properly. And they do make an effort to do that, which is another reason why if the brightest student in your class or your son or daughter's got some great grades 
in their context, they should definitely be considering applying to Oxford and Cambridge. So all of these misconceptions really need to change and we need to figure out a way to have more students considering Oxford and Cambridge as a way for them to progress their education. Now, how do we do this? To find out more about that, we'll be welcoming our first podcast guest, Mary. Hi, Mary. Thank you for joining us. Before we get into the subject for today, which is all about demystifying Oxford and Cambridge, I wanted to ask you a few intro questions. Right, so to begin with, could you just give me your name, the college that you're at, the university you're at, and the subject you're studying? Yeah, so my name is Mary. Um, I study law with French law at the University of Oxford, St. Catherine's College, and I'm in my second year. Great. And is there one fun thing that you do at Oxford that people wouldn't expect an Oxford student to do? Um, I guess this is quite a niche thing in general, but I throw javelin for the athletics team. I'm on the Blues team, which is basically the first team. It's what University of Oxford called the first team. Um, and that's something that I do quite a bit. So I train about five times a week. Um, but javelin is quite a niche sport in general. But yeah, University of Oxford students are quite sporty and don't just sit indoors and read books all the time. <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. I didn't even know that you did javelin. Just to get a bit of background information, was Oxford something that your family was familiar with? Um, so my family, we've had, I think, two presidents. I'm from Ghana. That's my native country. That's where my parents are from. Um, and uh, we've had two presidents go to Oxford. So it's like quite a well-known thing in Ghana, but um, they weren't really aware of it for me. It wasn't something that they considered for me. Um, I don't think university is even something that they considered for me. And that's just generally because um, none of my brothers went to university and my parents didn't go to university. So it, just, it wasn't really mentioned in my house until um, I decided to apply, really. And what was it that prompted you to do it? Was it your school or was it something else? So I was sitting in the study room. My head of year at the time comes up to me. This is right at the beginning of year 12. Um, and she asks me for my GCSE grades. And I tell her, and she goes, oh, you should consider Oxbridge. And at the time, I did not know what that was. So uh, as, although my parents knew about it, I was completely unaware what Oxford was. I thought it was just, um, I actually thought it was a publisher because I, <laughs> I used to see on the dictionaries and stuff. So I didn't actually know there was a university, which is quite bad. Um, but yeah, uh, so I started to do some research about it and I'm quite an ambitious person. So when I started to see like all the hype around it and you know, that is, is kind of seen as this unattainable thing, I was like, like I want it now <laughs> um so I started to do research about like different programs are on offer and how I could engage with the university and then that's when I came across um Unique and Targa Oxbridge and then through that I started to like Oxford more and more. Great and we'll get into some of that in terms of Unique and the different ways that you got to know more and more about Oxford um because that, that is the theme of this this episode um, it's so interesting because to you, you didn't even really know much about Oxford. Like it was so yeah, far away true. from you that you didn't even maybe even have any preconceptions. Um, but were there any sort of myths or things that you believed about Oxford and Cambridge before you properly got to know them? 
Yeah. So one of the biggest things that my friends actually kept saying to me was like, are you sure you want to apply? It's so boring. Like you're going to have no social life. You know, you're just going to sit indoors and, and read books. Would you not rather like go to a more lively university with more of a social life? And so that's one of the um, misconceptions that I had um, because I, I did believe in that misconception, but it was more so that I thought I'd have to sacrifice. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to go to university. That's going to be boring, but uh, at least I'll like be, um, I like my course a bit better and be more challenged through that course. Um, another misconception, well, I don't know if it's a misconception, but the idea that I had about Oxford was that there'll be no one who looks like me who's like from the same background as me. Um, and yeah, those were those were my main misconceptions about Oxford, I guess. And now that you've been there for, well, you're in your second year now, how different is it yeah. compared to those things that you believed before going? so different I think the thing with um Oxford is that because the university is aware because it's very studious and we have a a large workload there's a lot of compensation for that so it's almost too much where every single night if I want to go out and do something there is something for me to do there's always a talk there's always a club night on there's always an event a jazz night a music thing just just always something to do um so it's actually very very social and also the college system which is um a system where we're not separated by um, subject. We all live in the same accommodation, all live in the same blocks. Um, so you you get to interact with people from different subjects. And also your college puts on social events and welfare events for you. The college system is really hard to explain. <laughs> um, social events and welfare events for you, which means that you get to interact with people. It's actually very hard to slip through the cracks here. Um, and also... In terms of the idea that no one would be here that would look like me or come from the same background as me, again, because Oxford is aware that it has this issue, this diversity issue, and there's a lot of compensating for that. So the ACS, African and Caribbean Society, is very active um, and has a lot of great initiatives on that really make sure that you don't have to give up your culture, like give up who you are in order to fit in here. So I think it's completely different to what I imagined. There's been a lot of times where I've actually just I've been a bit too social. I know people go out several <laughs> times a week because there's just so many opportunities to like go out. And even when my friends visit me from London who go to other universities, they are so shocked about how lively it is. And they love it here. They always want to come back. Um, one of my friends came here and said it was like the best university visit that he'd been to because he was kind of doing a tour around our group of friends going to their universities. And he said it was the best one that he'd been to. So, yeah, it's, it's quite shocking, actually. <laughs> but good that it's shocking in a good way. It's like, it sounds yeah, like you're living, you know, you're, you're living life as well as studying. And that, that's, yeah. that's what everyone hopes for. And you mentioned the ACS. And I just wanted to talk a bit about that because, you know, I went to Oxford quite some time ago now. <laughs> and the ACS for me and for anyone who doesn't know what an ACS is, is the African and Caribbean Society was for me definitely a home away from home. And we were quite small in number then, but I've come back recently to visit and you guys are much, much larger as a group than when I was at university. And I know you're really involved, so could you tell our listeners a bit about what you get up to? Right, so the African and Caribbean Society is basically a society where we put on social events and um, in order to celebrate our culture and make sure that we don't, we don't have to lose ourselves when we come here. So there's the events division, which put on things like um, formals, which are dinners. Um, they put on club night events. We recently had an open mic night, which was so much fun. 
um, we put on things called Ox Chat, which is like um, if everyone, if people will be aware of the show Back Chat on YouTube, quite controversial. <laughs> um, we do our own version, which is less controversial. Okay, good. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so um, we put on events, like, events like that, um, more chill events like games night. And yeah, so it's basically a space where you can go and feel comfortable and just chill um, with people who are like you. Um, I'm part. I'm the access, one of the senior access and outreach officers. So we're kind of separate from the university um, workings. We deal with uh, students pre-university, so trying to engage students in year tw- well anywhere from like year nine up until their application, up until they've got their offer to try and do what we're doing right now, actually demystify Oxford, encourage applications. And it's so great because I, I know for me that ACS was a home away from home and we were really looking after each other yeah. back then. And it's been wonderful for me to see how as the community's grown, you've all really been looking out for the next generation and doing that work yeah. to make sure that they see you and see Oxford as somewhere that they can come to. And I know the Cambridge ACS does a lot of that similar work as well, which is great. And now that we're talking about access, you mentioned earlier Unique, and that's one of the access programmes that Oxford runs. Could you just speak a bit about what that is and how you experienced it? Yeah, so Unique is a summer school and students from um, economically and socially um, underprivileged backgrounds, so state school students um, and students from uh, particular postcodes, and it's essentially, I think it's four days now. When I did it, it was five days. Um, it's, uh, you stay, in, you come to Oxford, you stay for a period of time, you're basically immersed into the Oxford uh, life. So you choose a subject, you apply to that subject. So I applied to, um, study law for the week. I got to go to lectures. Um, I got to go to tutorials, which are, um, the main method of teaching in Oxford, which is basically either one to one or two to one. Um, sessions where you discuss the reading and the debates that you you would have been set for that week. I got the opportunity to really find out what Oxford would be like and um, experience that myself instead of reading online or watching YouTube videos, which are obviously helpful. It really gave me a first-hand experience and allowed me to imagine myself as an Oxford student. And I felt really um, at home and at ease um, during that week, which made me want to apply because I thought, yeah, this is a place where I could study. I could see myself for four years. So Unique is a, a great experience. Um, a lot of the lectures I had were very realistic. I use I, st- I used the lecture notes I got from Unique actually in my first year exam because <laughs> it was that helpful. Um, and a lot of the concepts were really, really interesting. I, it was a basis of my personal statement. Um, and also in terms of socially, it was just one of the best weeks of my life in terms of like meeting people. Um, I met like two of my really good friends on Unique. Um, I'm still really close to them to this day. Um, yeah. So yeah, Unique is a great experience. It's great. And it's, it's something that I'm trying to raise awareness of because especially for teachers and parents listening to this podcast, they might not be aware. And I do go out and speak to teachers sometimes or to parents and they're really surprised these things exist. I always call them unknown mm-hmm. unknowns. People just don't know that there's stuff yeah. to look for. And for balance, because I know that we're both Oxford graduates, but on the Cambridge side, there's the Sutton Trust Summer School, which Cambridge runs. And I really recommend that people check that out for any of their young people as well. And Cambridge also runs subject masterclasses for year 10s, 11s and 12s, which provide an insight. So there's all this stuff going on and it's 
it's really great that for you it was such a such a big part of your journey to Oxford. Yeah, it definitely was a huge part. It was very influential. Um, I think one of the difficult things, especially with access, is a lot of the time you you say to students, "This is how Oxford is," but because there's this perception and misconception about it, like this idea that, for example, Oxford is boring, it's so hard to say to a student who's been hearing that all the time from their friends, maybe from their teachers, sometimes they've been hearing Oxford is boring, Oxford is boring. And now you're standing there as an Oxford student telling them it's not boring. Um, <laughs> but, you know, they're not going to believe you. Things like unique give them a good chance to actually go and see for themselves. And then they can actually say, oh, yeah, like Mary wasn't lying. Like She's right. It wasn't it wasn't boring. Or maybe they might find it boring, but at least they can make an informed decision and not just go off um, misconceptions. Yeah, yeah, and it's all about having that information and taking decisions yeah. that are right for you, but from a, a exactly. position of knowledge as opposed to just, you know, guessing or making it up yeah. as you go along. And one thing that I'm also hoping to raise a bit more awareness of is the Link College system. And this is, I think, really important for teachers and educators who sort of have the option of connecting schools up with the universities. Have you had any experience of how that system works? Yeah, so in, in Oxford, I believe there are 38 or 39 colleges, undergraduate, I'm pretty sure. And should we explain a bit more about what a college is before we get into it? Because I think it's it's a thing that we take for granted, but I think it's yeah, a bit weird yeah, to others. Right. Oxford is split up into 38 or 39 mini universities where you will have accommodation, your, your teaching will be done there, um, you'll have your uh, living facilities. So like laundry um, halls, which is where we, we eat food, like breakfast, lunch, dinner. Or sometimes some colleges have um, kitchens as well. Um, your porter's lodge will be there, which is basically like the reception where you pick up your orders and deliveries. Just everything in your university life will be within this mini university campus. Um, so you have your tutorial, which I explained earlier, is the one-to-one teaching system done in college or organized by college at least. So that's, is that an adequate explanation? Um, yeah. yeah, I think that's good. And I think okay. I always let people know that just because you're in that college, it doesn't mean you can't leave. You're not, you're not a prisoner. Absolutely. You can get your Absolutely. friends from elsewhere. You can you can yeah. go to other colleges, but it's just nice I to love have... my friends out of college. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of my friends are out of college just through like societies and like sports and stuff. But they do, it gives you a good community. And then from, exactly. from access and for teachers... There is a system where individual colleges are linked up to particular local authorities. Do you know which college, which um, area your college is linked to? Yeah, so St. Catherine's College is linked to Northern Ireland and we have a um, summer school for Northern Irish students each summer. Um, So, yeah, that's something that we do to engage with our area and other colleges uh, will have uh, programmes that they run for their um, areas, whether it's workshops or summer schools. Um, or school visits actually mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I just want to show you everyone how easy it is to find out because I think people do think you know it's hard to get in contact with people in Oxford yeah. but I literally just googled you know Oxford link colleges and the yeah, page the page comes up and then you can click on your area and it will tell you which college is the link and so I do recommend to any teachers or educators listening do use this and Cambridge has the same system as well so do go online you can literally just google it put in your local authority 
and it will tell you the college and it tells you the email address. And I think people should just use that email address because it's literally the job of people um, to make these connections. Yeah. And, and have you been involved with access stuff with your college specifically? Um, yeah, so in September, we organised an admissions workshop. Um, it was Oxford ACS um, collaborating with St. Catherine's College for um, year 13s who were about to make their applications in October to Oxbridge. And that was a huge success. Um, and we just had our offer holders come in and a lot of the offer holders actually attended that um, workshop. So it's nice to see the continuity from that event. Um, I also helped out at interviews. Um, so I was an interview helper at CATS. And one of the greatest things that happened to me actually was, so going back to the unique summer school, obviously I was a participant when I was in year 12. But actually, um, last summer, I had the opportunity to now be one of the student helpers on the summer school. Um, and a lot of the students that were in my group, I was trying to convince them, you know, like, come to Oxford, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and um, one of the students actually applied to do law at CATS too. And um, that was great seeing her come in um, during interviews and tell me about the other students who'd also applied to other colleges and things like that. So, yeah, that's how I was engaged with access with regards to St. Catherine's College. Great. And you, you're doing a lot of access work because you've worked on our target Oxbridge residentials as well. So yeah. you're really you're really doing a lot, which is it's great. <laughs> I love I love how much um, the students at Oxford and Cambridge do give up their own time to support the next generation. It's it's brilliant. Um I think it's so important because as I said before, it's like really hard to break down these misconceptions that just are ingrained in the system. So like having students hear it from us themselves or experience it is like really important. Yeah, it, re- it really, really is. And one other myth that comes up a fair bit, and given that we're talking a bit about some of the work that you're doing, is that Oxbridge, you know, either Oxford or Cambridge are both much more expensive places to go than other universities. And when I first started doing this work, I was having to convince people that the fees were the same. I think they thought <laughs> the fees were like different and they're completely the same. There is, however, this it is true that you're not really able to work during term time and that causes some concerns. Is this something that you speak to students about or in your own experience, are there other things that have helped with this this sort of issue? Right. So, yeah, this issue is it's something I'm quite passionate about because I actually think it's literally the opposite in reality. I'm from, I would say, an economically disprivileged background. And for me, after after finding out about the schemes that Oxbridge offers, Oxbridge, I was so excited to come there because I thought this was a place that's going to support me financially so well. So because of this college system, a lot of colleges actually offer us financial support because they are aware that, you know, we're unable to work because of the workload. So they know we can't get part-time jobs. So um, it's kind of, it's the same thing with the social life and they, they compensate for that. So there's so many hardship funds and schemes available that you can take advantage of if you um, decide to come here. Also university-wide, there are lots of scholarships on offer. So there's a Crankstart scholarship, um, which offers, I think it's if your um, household income is below 16,000, um, they give you extra bursary and also paid internship opportunities. And there's also opportunities for you, for example, as I just said, I worked on this um, unique summer school last summer. I was paid for that. Um, and that was during the break. There are so many opportunities to either get money, financial support for your college or your university, also be paid for internships and access work. 
So um, I've never, ever had to, um, it was one of the biggest issues when I was getting to university. You know, my dad sat me down and said, how are we going to, let's work through the finances. How are we going to support you? Um, and I've come here and I've actually not had to be supported by my parents because I always knew that like college has got my back and um, the bursary system is really, really good. To be quite frank, Oxford and Cambridge is great because they are very, very, very rich institutions. <laughs> they, are, they are just so rich um, and they don't, they don't, um, they're not stingy with it. They're very happy to um, help out with anyone that needs help. Um, you'll never, ever find yourself in a situation where, you know, you can't afford to eat or pay your rent. College will always step in to help as long as you ask for it. It's great. And it's not more expensive that. at all. And the, I mean, I don't really have a grasp of like economic, the, you know, the economics of the UK, but coming from London, um, Oxford is pretty much the same price. Um, but maybe if you're like um, from up north or something, maybe it might be a bit more of a contrast. But again, the university is here to help. And it's great to hear you speak about that because I think, again, it's that point you make about people being told it's okay, but then actually hearing it from somebody who's had to worry about it and think about it is really helpful. Yeah. So before we wrap up, I just wanted to check, are there any myths that you think need busting about Oxford and Cambridge that we haven't discussed yet? I think the one myth that needs... It's, it needs to be busted, but also at the same time, there is an element of truth in there, and that is the workload. Yes, I do find myself doing a lot more work than other students at other universities, and also even other students in different courses, just because law or French law is quite a heavy course. Um, however, it's very, very, it's manageable. You know, people have done it way before I have, and they've survived. And also, on top of that, even if you are finding that you can't manage the workload, the same with finances, there's so much support. Because we have this tutorial system where it's very personal, it's very one-to-one, my tutors know me quite well and they know how I work and they know what I can handle. And if I ever find myself where I'm having a very busy period, a bit busy period where I'm applying to internships or I've got lots of ACS work or access work to do, I can email them and say, you know, hi, I've got a busy week this week. Can we figure something out? It's very personalized um, and they're very, very reasonable with it. Of course, I am here to do my degree. That's always a priority. But um, the tutorial system means that you can almost play around and you have quite a flexible workload um, that can be tweaked to suit the way you work and to suit what you can handle. Yeah, and I think... The tutorial system it does mean that you're doing more work in some ways it means that you are more exposed but that means you can't hide and it also means yes. that your tutors can really see if you're falling behind and they can really intervene which isn't always the case at other universities where you might be one of 300 and you're not being yeah. noticed so it's, it's it's the two sides of the coin that you can't mess about <laughs> but it also means yeah, yeah. that you're, you're always sort of being thought about and, and looked after in that way yeah. okay well I think we've we've had a really good exploration of all of the myths and, and the things that you know people believe but aren't necessarily true so I just want to wrap up and I ask everybody this question the question is what's the one tip you would give your 16 year old self before you started on your Oxbridge journey so this I would I say this with a pinch thought I would need to explain this I think what I would say to my 16 year old self is that your opinion of yourself doesn't matter 
in the sense that, of course, it's very important to have to have a sense of self-worth and self-confidence. That's all very important. But the Oxbridge experience, like applying to Oxbridge, is about what the tutors think of you, think of you, sorry, and what um, the application and admissions process think of you. A lot of the time, people might see, you know, a talent or a spark or intelligence in you that you don't see yourself because you're 16 and you really you don't have that experience where you haven't developed that strong sense of self-worth or confidence and you might tear yourself down a lot and be self-critical um so a lot of the time when people would say things to me like oh mary you're intelligent or you know you've got you've got what it takes to do this to do xyz i wouldn't believe them because you know i i have this detrimental um you know uh feeling about myself whereas other people would see things in me that I just didn't necessarily think of myself so when applying when applying I would say that you need to think about you need to think about showing that spark within you and showing that level of intellectual curiosity or whatever it is within you and making sure that the tutors see that um, and trying to and trying to think that it's their standard and and what they want that's essentially going to get you the offer or whatever and not what what you know self-deprecating thoughts you have about yourself um that's not what counts here yeah I think that's such great advice because I think where whereas people maybe don't see things in themselves they can at least trust that others see it in them so until you build the confidence you can at least have confidence in those who have confidence in you that's right. great. Thank you so much, Mary, for joining us. I really, really appreciate it. It's been great to speak Thank with you. Thank you so much for having me. No, you're more than welcome. It's lovely to speak to you as always. Well, good luck with everything, and including the javelin. <laughs> and I'll speak Thank to you. you soon, I'm sure. Thank you for listening and thank you to our friends at Rare, Clifford Chance, Linklaters and JP Morgan for making this podcast possible. We hope you'll tune in and listen to some more of our episodes and share them with your family, friends and colleagues who might also find them useful. And don't forget to rate and subscribe wherever you find your podcasts. You can find us on Twitter at at Target Oxbridge and at Naomi underscore Kelman. We're also on Instagram at at Target Oxbridge. If you've got a question you'd like us to discuss in our next series, you can email me at naomi.kelman at targetoxbridge.co.uk. Thank you very much for listening and we'll see you next time.